Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today with Pat Abendroth, and we are ready for episode number 55 today. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing all right. And hello, Pactumverse. Thank you yes. for listening. We are grateful that you allow us to have an influence in your life. Mike, what's new in your life? Speaking uh, of life, 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 you know, uh, All Creatures is coming to a wonderful end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> did, you, did you watch Super Bowl at your house? We did watch the Super Bowl at our house. We really didn't have any skin in the game. We didn't really have a preference as to who won, but we made choices at the beginning. And I I got nearly sick to my stomach. I was so stressed at the end. Really? Oh, I don't know why. I okay. just, I had decided I wanted the Rams to win and I was just beside myself and whew, what it, I, what it was I, fun. What I want to know is what did you eat? What was like the best thing? Uh, I always really, really enjoy, we always have a, it's like a chicken buffalo dip type thing. It's got chicken Buffalo sauce, cheese, all mushed together. Ooh, it's good. Ooh, it sounds really good. Yeah. How about you? Did you watch? I kind of watched. I sat at the table, and Molly and I sat there and did work and kind of watched. And Josiah, one of our sons, watched. And then I moved over to the couch for the last for the ending, but otherwise, I, I worked on the Covenant of Works during the football game. <laughs> I say you were reading. We all know it. You were, weren't you? It was pretty much doing that kind of stuff. So anyway, do you watch I, any sports aside from cycling during the Tour de France? Oh, I can't wait for July. I lo- I'm I like sports. I like it from maybe more of the social aspect, though. Okay. So if you invite me over for a party, I, I'd like to come to your party and watch sports. <laughs> uh huh. So I, I ate way too much pizza. I just I felt sick. Too too much pizza. Yeah. You got to get with the program. It is funny. I told the kids, I said, you guys are going to eat so much junk. Somebody's going to wake up sick tonight. No joke. It was me. I woke up feeling miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night. Everybody had gone to bed and I was sitting there snoring. <laughs> so up at 4.30 a.m., long church day, then all that. So anyway, today is episode 55. What are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about a little helpful booklet by John Murray called Behind a Frowning Providence. Sounds dark. Sounds like maybe I'd want to tune out if I were listening. Don't tune out. It's it's full of encouragement, and we trust it'll be an encouragement to our listeners. Okay, we, we like the word this. encouragement, so yes. I hope you're encouraged encouragement. by encouragement. <laughs> talking about an encouraging book. Behind a Frowning Providence by John Murray. It is a it is a uh, a wee little booklet. It is very very teeny. Uh, Twenty nine pages, I think. You can get it from Banner of Truth. You can get it as a PDF online. We'll post that in the show notes. But what we are trying to do is talk about providence and talk about providence during the dark times. So when you're suffering, whether it be physically, when you're struggling spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, we all go through dark times. Um, we would like this episode to be helpful. So we're basically borrowing Murray's notes to try to have this be a standalone podcast that can help you, whether you're going th- through a hard time now or you need to be equipped to go through a hard time in the future because we all will and do. So again, we're not trying to promote a book per se, but we want to give credit where credit is due. We found this book to be helpful. Right. Yep. And the title of the booklet, uh, Behind a Frowning Providence, comes from a William Cooper hymn. William Cooper was a friend of John Newton's and William Cooper had a tremendous amount of suffering in his own life. Okay. And so that's probably the uh, instigator here for John Murray to use uh, some of the text from his hymn that he wrote where he said, Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Okay. I've never um, heard that hymn before of you. I don't think I've ever heard it sang, but I've seen the text several times. Yeah. So Romans 8.28 says that we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So that would be a good text that we would go to. And Murray does when it comes to providence. Right. So the good things in life, the bad things in life, the suffering, the pain, uh, you know, Romans eight goes on to talk about how all, all of these sorts of things, good things, bad things, demonic things, saintly things, uh, somehow God in his perfect wisdom and love for us works them, works them together for our good. Yeah. And that, that would be a good text that would relate to things regarding providence. Yep. Yep. Well, before we go any further, Mike, this little booklet that we're not promoting, uh, I do want to give a shout out to our friend and fellow church member, Martin Bost, Yeah, because I think Martin buys these by the case. He does. Yes. I, I think it's his spiritual gift yep. to give away copies of this. He's given me a couple copies, I think, yep. over the years, sure. and my wife at least one. And uh, I love it that he has that kind of burden for people, because no matter what, whether you're in a dark time now or you're going to be in one in the future, it's so good to know about Providence so that you're equipped to be able to handle it. Right. Yeah. So I love Martin and I love it that he has a burden to try to help people. Yep. And so we're channeling our inner Martin boss. Oh, I don't think he would appreciate us talking like that. Probably not. But uh, that's what we're doing today because we want to help you to, again, be ready for the battle, even if you're not in a battle. So sort of like getting ready for a, an athletic game uh, in the off season, you want to train so that when it is time to actually play the games and compete, you're actually able to do so in a competent way. Or maybe you are facing a dark time now, and we would want this to help you through that process. Right. Yeah. So the, the little booklet begins with chapter one, there is a providence. So here, uh, Murray's just trying to highlight the fact that yes, indeed, there is providence. There is such a thing as providence. So the question is, what in the world is providence? Providence is that marvelous working of God by which all events and happenings in the universe accomplish his purpose he has in mind. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of like Romans eight twenty eight. you read earlier. I think that's a great way to, to, to compliment Romans eight twenty eight. That was a quotation, by the way, from Murray. Everything that's ha that happens, the good, the bad, the slight, the grand, everything that happens, God is in charge. God already knows he's sovereign in other words. Right. Uh, and so somehow, even though it's mysterious to us as to how it could possibly be, I mean, think about it. How can God work everything in Pat Abendroth's life together? Not to mention Mike Grimes, not to mention... Who knows how many right. people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God knows. Yeah, exactly. Everything is working together to serve his greater purpose. That's pretty baffling to the mind. It is. Yep. Uh, Mike Horton says this, God works all things together for the salvation of his elect, even their material circumstances, ordinary daily occurrences, trials, disasters, tragedies, personal encounters, formative events become occasions for God's saving hand to reach into our lives, whether we recognize it or not not hmm. providence. What are you quoting Mike Horton for? We're talking about John Murray. Oh, I couldn't stand it. I just thought, you know what? I, I wanted to help out a little bit here, but you're right. I won't quote him again. But at the <laughs> end of the program today, do we call this a program? I don't know. At I the end of the podcast yes. today, I do want to post a link to some Mike Horton things because Murray's little booklet, because it's a little booklet, doesn't Sure, get, yeah. get into the weeds. Right. So I do want to give that as a addendum, as something to compliment people who want to do a deeper dive. We're going to offer that. Right. Yep. Okay. When we think about providence, Mike, let's, uh, as we're still doing chapter one, if someone says, what is providence? I think Christians used to use it a lot in their regular vocabulary. Uh, even unbelievers used it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think some of the founding fathers of our country used it, even if they weren't Christians, not saying none of them were, right, yep. but I'm not saying all of them were. <laughs> so 
to create controversy. So providence, what, what do you think of when you think of providence? I think of God's sovereign uh, oversight and uh, hand in all things that's going on in life. Okay, good. Every little piece, every little part. He didn't just take a ball, roll it, and sit back and see how this all works out and goes. Okay, right. that's helpful. I think of the word provide, mm. and that would actually complement what you just said. Sure. And God provides everything necessary. He's the one who's in charge of the whole thing. Everything is, oh, how about this, dependent upon him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of how I think of it. Murray talks about how it comes from a Latin, two different Latin words. Pro video. Pro video. Video to Ooh. see and pro before. Yeah, to see before. Okay. Yeah. Good. And provide. I'm going to add. I'm going to add that to the mix. He quotes the Westminster Confession and regarding. We won't do it here, but even how God can do this and it's a mystery to us, and how He uses secondary causes. He's not the author of evil, and yet He uses evil. And so th- that would be more of a deep dive than we want to do right now. But it does take us into the mystery realm. But for now, let's just know and acknowledge. Uh, that God is sovereign in charge of everything. There are no radical molecules. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what R.C. said? I can't remember. R.C. Sproul. Uh, it, it might be. There are no rogue molecules rogue, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yep. A passage I don't think he mentions that I find to be really important and helpful is Ephesians one eleven, As we think about God being sovereign in charge of everything and being for us, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, Here's what I really want to emphasize, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Mm -hmm. So God works all things according to the counsel of his will. So believer, uh, we need to remember that everything that's happening is happening for a purpose, happening for a reason. Uh, And so, and somehow it serves the greater purposes of God, but it's for us. Yep. Yeah. And that's hard for me to get my mind around. Yeah, it is really. But it is a comfort. Yep. And in Ephesians 1, it's a source of praise. Yeah. So it really is helpful to know that extending to every detail in my life, God is sovereign. God is in charge. God is working. God never takes a break. God never hits pause. Uh, he's involved to the very end. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't always know the details of what... Um, of how to even process that. But I love the fact that I can know that it helps me to sleep at night, even in the midst of the happy times and the dark times. Right. Um, as Murray says, during the smiling providences, right. A spell check didn't like providences providences. Very much. No, but favor uh, during the smiling providences or also during the frowning providences. Right. Yeah. I think some of the older Christians used to talk about how this is a hard providence. Yes. Yeah. So when something happens that's tragic, we can know that God loves us and cares for us. We don't know exactly why he had happened in our life what happened, and so we might call it a hard providence. Right, yep. So speaking of hard providence, that moves us into the second chapter of this little booklet. And in the second chapter, he wants to acknowledge and point out the fact that, yes, while there are those smiling providences, there are also dark providences in this life. And, uh, you know, the Bible does—it leaves us no doubt that there is suffering in our lives, and it's, it's a normal part of the true Christian life. Sometimes I think uh, it's unfortunate that we don't think Christianly about suffering. I'm not sure yeah. why, maybe because everything is happy, clappy— Oh yeah. Wonderful. Isn't it, isn't life easy and grand yep. and we're Christians mm-hmm. and it's, 
it's important that we remember the Bible is very clear about why bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is because of the fall and it is because of sin, maybe not our own personal sin directly causing suffering in our life. Right. But because of the fall, because of sin, because of the sins of others, because of the sins of those who've gone before us, because of our own sins, because of our past sins, present sins, future sins, because we live with fellow sinners, <laughs> you get the idea. Get the, yeah. yeah. Uh, the world is filled with hardship and suffering. Yeah. And if it's not happening in your life now, certainly it will um, until the Lord returns and makes all things right again. It's part of it's an, it's a normal part of life. And Christians probably need to do a better job, pastors and non-pastors, of recovering the reality of difficulty and suffering so that we can face so, so that we don't think something's wrong, even though something is wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, something is wrong, but we know why something's wrong. It's why we look to Christ, right. who is the one who overcame suffering, who is the one who overcame the grave, who is the one who atoned for sin. There is a sure hope to come. Yeah. No doubt some of the struggle here comes from the health, wealth, prosperity gospel that's so prevalent and has been over the years, right? Because people are so bent on looking for this problem-free, happy-go-lucky life. Well, I'm a Christian and these things are going to be happy, you know? Thing, everything's going to be great. There, everything's going to be provided that I need. Yeah. Health, wealth, prosperity, no troubles in life. It's it's satanic is what it is. Yeah. Jesus is very clear. It might be worse for you now that you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. So everyone yeah. suffers. And now you're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. Uh, it's the opposite of health, wealth, prosperity. Murray says people today are looking for a problem-free Christianity. Mm. Uh, Akuna Matata <laughs> is what I thought. Yeah. It's our problem free <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, oh, channeling our inner what, what shows that Lion from? King. Channeling Simba, our, our yeah. Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. They sing that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, one time, my neighbor he was walking down the street in a different neighborhood, and and he was giving me his whole philosophy of Christianity, and he was giving me the circle of. He literally said, "You know, circle of life." No way, Elton John, man. <laughs> and I thought, oh boy. But when I did read the quote here from Murray, I did think I, I did think problem free Christianity. That's good. Well, that's bad theology. And that's how Christians think. We we don't have problems if we're Christians. And uh, this is an aside. But when you tell people the gospel, please don't make it sound like it's going to get rid of all of their problems. Right. Yep. It's going to get. How about this? It's going to get rid of their biggest problem. And their biggest problem is God and eternal condemnation. And actually, that's how the Apostle Paul argues in uh, Romans 5. Mm. Uh, Romans 5, 1 to 11, well, he can say what he says there by way of encouragement because he's going to talk about justification, and that is the most important thing you need. Right. So it's not a problem-free Christianity. No. Yeah. It's not a kuna matata either. There are dark providences. Yes, there are. And if you don't think there are, just wait. Yeah. I say we we can expect those to happen in our life. We shouldn't be super excited and ready for it at every turn. Let's not be those And people. be the Debbie Downers no. and the Eeyores, as you like to point out, the gray, right? That's right. Yeah. That's but, right. And, and we but they do, do we, happen. They, they absolutely do happen. And as a matter of fact, I, this isn't gospel truth, but one of my theological mentors used to say, he would say that if you come to believe in the sovereignty of God as the Bible teaches it, which you should, uh, just know that God will probably provide opportunities for you to show whether or not you really believe it hmm. so um yeah kind of kind of challenging when you think about it but it's not all problem-free christianity that's right 
Well, so now let's move on to the next section after having introduced uh, this truth that there are dark providences in the Christian life and in everyone's life. Uh, It's not all smiling providences. Uh, Murray moves on in the next chapter to talk about what is God's design in these dark providences. If everything happens according to the counsel of his will, nothing happens outside of that. It's according to his plan, his purpose for our good, for his glory. What's his design in these dark providences? I love the fact that our little booklet by John Murray said, in effect, you have permission to ask the question, why? Yes, I love that he said that. Yep. I mean, read the Psalms, right? Perfect. Yeah. Yep. When you read the Psalms, you do have this this recurring question, how, yeah. long, how long, why? why? And so we want to encourage you to go ahead and ask that question. Yeah. Go ahead and cry out to God and plead with God and express yourself even with your emotions to God, uh, because that's what we see exemplified in the Psalms. Yeah, absolutely. But that is a far cry different from saying, you know, God, I'm judging you. Yes. Uh, yep. God, you're on trial here. But do do find yourself, give yourself the freedom, read the Psalms, learn how to express yourself. And part of it is saying, you know what, why is this happening? Right. Yeah. There are answers to that question. But it seems natural and welcomed because we see it in inspired scripture to cry out to God and ask that question. Right. And Murray points that out to say that, listen, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to ask that question. And the right way to do that is just like you're mentioning in the Psalms, lament, yep. book of lamentations. Think about that. Perfect. So he talks about things we need to learn in this chapter as he talks about God's design. So first of all, let's learn it's okay to ask the question why, but then he moves on to talk about how suffering gives us, uh, it's a trial. It tries mm-hmm. us, it tests us. And first Peter chapter one would talk about this. There's a testing, there's a testing of the genuineness of our faith. It's a refining kind of fire, uh, that purges things that are not necessary or unnecessary. And that certainly is one of the reasons uh, why this happens. What are you really made of? Right. Yeah. And that could sound kind of harsh, but there's a place for seeing what we really cling to most and, and why we cling to it. Suffering and difficulty and trial does in fact have, uh, it serves a purpose of kind of, of helping us with our priorities Sure. and what's most important. Yep. Well, keeping things moving, Mike, suffering also gives us opportunity to see our sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we say, oh, God, help me to grow spiritually, um, help me to hate sin and love righteousness. Well, oftentimes I don't mean, oh, God, bring more suffering in my life. Right. Yeah. But it does have a tendency to do that sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I appreciated the fact that Murray even talks about uh, suffering in the, in the life of Abraham, suffering mm-hmm. in the life of Job, suffering in the life of Moses, Asaph. And even the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah, and how that even would help to show them their sin, yeah. Because even though those folks we just mentioned are stalwarts, even though they're heroes of the faith, uh, none of them are Jesus. All of each of them sinned, right? And God used trials, God used suffering in their lives to refine them and to expose their weaknesses and to show them their greater need for Christ, uh, even as believers in Christ, right? So I think that is helpful. Again, I don't want suffering. I want it to go away. Come Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know any more sin that I have in my life. But one thing that happens sometimes is when suffering comes, uh, you, you see the real you a little bit, right? And maybe you see the real you a little bit more than you want to, but it helps you to see therefore your need for Christ and need for repentance. 
uh, and need for spiritual growth. Right. Yeah. Related to that is uh, character building. Typically, when I hear someone say, "Well, you know that that that's good. That's good for building character." Hmm. It's so, it's in the context of something I'm not liking. Right. Yeah. Right. It's in the context of trial or failure or suffering or something like that or being mistreated. And it's actually helpful. I just don't like I don't like to be on the receiving end yeah. of that. But we want to have strong character, sort of like in athletics. And Murray goes there. Right. Yeah. Uh, we do want to train hard so that we can play in the big game and maybe not be embarrassed. Yep. You know, we want to be strong. We want God to strengthen us. We want him to make us have stronger character, but the the practice is painful and there's soreness right, yeah. and there's suffering and there's difficulty. God in his perfect wisdom is working. He's working like the sculptor yep. in our life. And even though it's with a chisel in hand and it's painful, what ends up happening is we're going to be stronger as a result. We're going to be more useful in the lives of, lives of other people. Right. I remember hearing, oh, on numerous occasions, I've heard people say that they don't want a, oh, I hate to say this in one sense, they, they, I'm going to say it, they don't want a young pastor who hasn't been through any suffering mm. because they want one who's mature, who's been through a lot, who's had his character built. Mm. So on one, in one sense, I want to say that's a foul because Timothy was young. Yeah, yeah. I, so I want to def, I want to come to the defense of young pastors. Yes, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I can appreciate what people have said when they've said that. Sure, yeah. Because maturity comes through suffering, suffering. At yeah, least in part, when you've been through things, and it's not just theoretical. Yeah, yeah. And just know this: if you're looking for a pastor who's mature, you can choose one who's young, and God, God will mature him. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just a matter of time, and maybe you can even be used in His life. Let's be for young and old pastors. Yes, absolutely. But we're for character building, and that comes through suffering, oftentimes. Yeah. In addition, if we keep things rolling here, uh, all of this helps us to learn to know God better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least it should. That's what we want to have happen. We want it to be in a good context of when everything else is stripped away, what do we have? Yeah, we have nothing but him. In the context of even thinking about Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so those are hard times. Again, hard providences when you go to the doctor and you have the appointment and you hear the hard news that there's no heartbeat mm. and you sit in the car and you cry with your wife. Uh, or by yourself, and you you are hurt by such things, but it is an opportunity to acknowledge God and God's goodness, and to yeah. be reminded that God is sovereign and uh, according to some purpose, maybe beyond what we know, um, God can be trusted, yeah. and we know enough to know that He can be trusted. Yeah. So it does provide opportunity, even in the midst of despair, not ultimate despair, but in temporary despairing to know God better. Yeah. And I think of Psalm 73, when we encounter those trials and difficulties, uh, to come to that realization the psalmist comes to of the nearness of God is my good, Mm -hmm. and to be able to uh, utter dependence upon him and to cast your care and your uh, need for him, Mm -hmm. uh, and to find that his nearness, which he has given us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our good. Hmm. And what resonates with me, Mike, I appreciate you mentioning that and stressing that his nearness. It seems oftentimes I'm in a sense the nearness of God when I feel like I don't have anybody else who's near. Mm-hmm. So everybody else is letting me down or they don't seem to understand or where is the church family? Where is my spouse? Where are my kids or parents or whatever? Well, 
those are fair questions to ask, I think. But at the yeah. same time, when am I going to sense the nearness of God? Uh, most commonly, at least for me, is going to be when I'm alone and desperate and in greatest need. Right. Yeah. So let, let's have this serve as an opportunity not to be bitter, uh, but to say, you know what? It, I'm alone. I don't like being alone. Lord, help me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Nearness of God. Yeah. Yeah. Also, suffering produces uh, fruit in our lives, and it helps us and prepares us uh, to be useful even in encouraging others and walking alongside others as they're uh, in no doubt enduring suffering and trials in their own lives. Mm. So the Lord gives us these opportunities to grow, to have that character built, uh, but also then fruit is produced in our own life so that we might be uh, of help to others. I think about, right, I'm looking over uh, in your direction in our, again, posh Pactum studio. Yes. <laughs> of course, first rate, first class. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking over at one of my bookshelves and I see the works of uh, Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield. I think it's a 10 volume set. Really an amazing body of work that he produced there. And we probably wouldn't have what we have from Warfield of Princeton, old Princeton fame when Princeton had a soul. Mm. And, uh, we probably wouldn't have that if it weren't for his uh, wife's severe uh, disability. And so I think I'm right in saying he would spend most of his days with her, but he would walk across campus and go teach his classes, mm. but then go back and, and care for her. I forgot what happened to her. It was something very severe that happened, maybe even on their honeymoon or early mm. in their life. And uh, he had to spend an extraordinary amount of time caring for her personal needs and uh, just think about the fact that how, how would he how would he have had all of that time to read and research and to write and study? He probably wouldn't have. So that would be an example. We can think of other famous people. Sure, yeah. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, probably wouldn't be ours today and blessing the church for so many years if he wouldn't been wouldn't have been imprisoned. Yep. Um, John Murray even talks about others, uh, quoting Spurgeon and others along these lines. So. I think it's helpful to remember good fruit comes sometimes because of a frowning providence yeah, yeah. because of sufferings. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, suffering leads us uh, to make God our all and to prepare us for his glory. Another way that we can benefit kind of takes us back to Psalm 73. Yep, yep absolutely. Yep. So rounding out uh, and kind of closing out the booklet and what uh, John Murray's highlighting here in this short booklet that we've been talking about today on the Pactum, uh, the fourth chapter, our comfort in dark providences. So not to just leave us in this dark place, uh, but there is comfort. There is hope to be found. And I think there, there absolutely is. And there is, especially when we read the scriptures and we make a habit of meditating upon the word of God and reading the narratives and reading the book of Esther. And even though God's name is never mentioned, right. you see how God marvelously worked through Esther and others to preserve the Jewish people. And right. if we didn't have yep. them preserved, we would never have the Messiah. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, you know, Joseph in Genesis 50, that's the classic text. Sure. Yeah. Genesis yep. 50, 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it, it referring to the evil for right. good yeah. to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Mm -hmm. You know, that would, that would have been true even if Joseph never would have lived to see, you know, all sure. of the good theology of it. Right. Think about how many things God is doing amidst suffering in our even in our lives that we don't we don't even know what the fruit's going to be. Right, but we have the confidence 
and the comfort that no matter what, he is working all things together for our good. Yeah. So as we consider the comfort in dark providences, I think it's important maybe that we, uh, we're both pastors. We've been pastors for a while. I think it's important maybe that we step back a little bit and say, this is true and good. There's comfort during the dark times. But I think maybe it's good for us to point out the fact that oftentimes this is a matter of saturating our minds with what's true and right regarding providence yes. yeah. and sovereignty so that we train people and equip people and ourselves so that when the dark times do come, we already know these things. Yep. I think that's super important because in one sense, Mike, the last thing in the world I want to hear amidst the affliction, amidst the darkness is you maybe... What feels to me like cold-heartedly quoting Romans 8, 28. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe, um, Pactum verse listeners, maybe we should just pray for wisdom when it comes to how we deal with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes all of these things are true. Anything that's biblical is true. But maybe some good, wise counsel would be, you don't always have to say everything you know. Yeah. Even about God's sovereignty. It doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't mean you shouldn't. Right. But... I'm more for, generally speaking, teaching these things, equipping people, and then when they're in the midst of it, I may bring it up, mm. but what I might just do is cry yeah, and pray for them and love them and encourage them, and, and maybe without preaching in my praying, maybe I will pray right, in yeah. such a way that reflects the goodness and sovereignty of God and His, and His providence, but I think we could probably be wiser sometimes about the way we handle ourselves. Sure. Yeah. So as a pastor, at least, and I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, but one thing that we could probably do is just to be wise and thoughtful about how we handle people, care for people, encourage people in the midst of the hardship. Yeah. So I tend to be more for let's teach this stuff. Let's get it out there. Let's have it be a regular part of Christian instruction so that when the hard time comes, hard times come, maybe we don't have to be as explicit with teaching time. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So for what it's worth, I hope that helps you um, to be better at loving your neighbor. Mm. I hope it might even help you to be a better pastor if you are a pastor. Uh, let's get this out there. Let's help people. Let's be like our friend Martin and pass out copies of Behind a Frowning Providence. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily at the hospital. Sure. Yeah. Um, but. Sundays in and Sundays out, right? Just trying to help prepare people to think rightly so that they can best benefit and they can best benefit, uh, and they can be most encouraged. Right. So Pat, as you're mentioning, uh, let's do a good job about, you know, teaching these truths before we experience the dark times and filling ourselves with these truths of scripture before we experience uh, those hardships. It even just reminds me of the Psalms again, uh, and how you see the psalmist work through the trials and the suffering that they go through uh, in these prayers that are provided for us in the psalms. You think about the way that they handle them, the way that they pray through them, and it's always in light of truth. It's the truth that mm. they know, the truth of God's promises, uh, which we know ultimately find their yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Good. so as we're thinking about pastors and teachers and uh, Pactum listeners filling ourselves up with these truths as we talk about training athletes to prepare for the hardships yes. uh, so that when those hardships come, we're able to filter what's happening in light of truth that we know, and that truth is God and His promises, and that He is faithful to His promises. And even when we don't know the answer, even when we don't understand how that's going to work out, even when we don't get why and right. how long, we can for sure know that one day this will all end, 
and we have a sure guarantee of that because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're filled even with the hope of God and his promises, even in those difficult, dark trials. That's good. That's good. And I love the way you bring it back to Christ because the, the sting is gone. There's still pain, but yeah. the, the, the ultimate sting is gone because we have the assurance of resurrection. Yeah. So how it's all working out in the here and now, I don't always know. Right. But in the end, ultimately, we have a confidence in a resurrected Savior and no more suffering, no more tears even. Right. Uh, and so that does get us through. So it does come back to the gospel. It does come back to it's okay to ask the questions. The psalmists actually teach us how to do that and right. then to answer appropriately, rightly, because of the character of God. So I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, Mike, you and I have had conversations before. I don't know if we've ever done it on the Pactum, but even in reading the psalms on Sunday mornings and then learning from the psalms about how to sing. Mm, yeah. And so you and I have talked before about that. I think it was a Carl, Carl Truman, Carl yeah, Truman yeah, chapter. Yeah about learning how to... What can miserable Christians sing? Oh, good memory. Yeah. What can miserable Christians sing? So if you don't ever train people on how to sing in the minor key, am I, yeah, am yeah, I, yep, yep, yep. if you don't ever train people on how to do that, then all of a sudden they have a great tragedy in their life. And what do they do? Yeah. Uh, go down the street to the Episcopal Church? Right. Um, or, you know, so, something that, that, that you've never trained them in how to do. Right. So we want to be happy Christians. We yes. want to be rejoicing. But Christianity isn't all about rejoicing. It is ultimately about rejoicing. Yes. Yep. But along the way, there's so much hardship and there's so much suffering. And the Bible teaches us how to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to help people learn how to do this from the Bible. Yep. One final thing I want to say before we wrap things up, and that would be all of this trusting in God's sovereignty, or as someone said to me, his sovereignty. <laughs> so I, I, I just rolled with it. It's like when people say, so what time, what time are your masses on Sunday? I, I, just, I just roll with it. So um, when somebody talks to me about God's sovereignty, I, I just talk to them about Romans 8. It's fine. There you go. Yep. So <laughs> we, this is not an excuse for being passive. It's yeah. not an excuse for being lazy. Oh, you know what? God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the very people who believe in the sovereignty of God call us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right. Uh, they call us to bear fruit. They call us to do things, to act, even to comfort one another in the midst right. of crisis. So, right. yeah. so the list goes on and on. Let's not be passive, but let's be well-informed, thinking rightly, so our hearts can be taken care of and ministered to. And so that we can have the right context for things. So why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? Why is it happening now? Why is it happening to some people I love? Those are all fair questions, um, but they're not questions that cause us to be bitter or they shouldn't. And they're not questions that cause us to be passive. Right. Um, God, help me to understand what's happening. I might not have an answer to that in the positive. I might not ever know, but I can know that God is working and he will work it ultimately for my good, for the good of those around me, and the good for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Right. Yep. Well, Pat, let's wrap it up with some resources here. We mentioned we will put a link in the show notes uh, to the free PDF you can access of John Murray's Behind a Frowning Providence. Uh, also, you mentioned Mike Horton. We read one of his quotes earlier in the episode as well. Um, and so we might recommend to you Mike Horton's uh, book, The Christian Faith, particularly chapter 11 on providence, God's care for all he has made. So we'll link to that as well. Yep, that would be his big systematic theology. But I took the opportunity yesterday to read chapter 11 on providence, God's care for all he has made. I thought it was very edifying and helpful. Definitely more in the philosophical weeds of things. Sure. Um, but good if you have more questions about providence and how it works. Yep. 
Yep. So we'll make sure those links are available for you in our show notes. We want to thank you again for being a listener of The Pactum and being a part of The Pactum Verse. You can be in touch with us online on Twitter at The Pactum, Instagram at The Pactum Theology. And as always, you can be sending questions to connect at thepactum.org. Yes, and thank you for listening today, and we'll see you next time on The Pactum. Pactum.